Well, how's everybody doing? Uh, unless you are in an essential role, uh, you're stuck primarily at home, uh, which depending on what that essential role is, uh, may be uh, certainly safer. Um, in fact, I was thinking this week about our nurses and our doctors, our medical personnel that are a part of our church. We have a lot of frontline and first responders in our church. And, and I was thinking maybe it'd be good for us as a church to just take a moment and to pray for them. Uh, so will you do that with me? Will you just, right where you're at, right in your home, will you take a second and will you agree with me in prayer for, for these? Father, we, we give the, this to you. We we say, Lord, will you be with all of those who are serving tirelessly and uh, sacrificially in uh, environments that uh, really are um, making them vulnerable to this virus? God, we pray for your protection. We pray for your grace and your favor over their life. We pray for strength, Lord, for, uh, for each of them, that they would be able to endure and continue to press in. And Lord, we pray that for uh, all across our city, all across the, the state of Texas and our country and all across the world, Lord, that where nurses and first responders and doctors are all finding themselves uh, on the front lines, Lord, would you be with them and protect them? God, we trust you with them, with their lives, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we are in this series called Jesus Talks, where we're taking the words of Jesus and we're applying them into our everyday lives, right? We, we've kind of had to adapt the original intent of this series uh, into uh, the current events and the current situation in our uh, current culture right now, and so uh, we have kind of adapted it, and I, I, I think it's interesting that all of us just a few weeks ago were busy with activities and sports and work and school and, and, and everything that was going on in our lives. We had a lot of available distractions at our disposal, and now all of a sudden we're being forced to slow down and, and eliminate some of those distractions. Uh, obviously, our kids are still going to school, and, and so I'm sure for you parents, that's keeping you busy with things, but, it, but it's not like it was just a few weeks ago. Everything's changed. And so today, I thought I would reflect on a familiar story where we find in the Gospel of Luke, and that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 verse 38 through 42, and if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it, turn there. If you don't have a Bible and you're uh, following along with us this morning uh, through our website portal, through the, the live streaming service on our website, uh, down below the video is a link that says Bible. You can click on that, you can scroll through it, and you can search the scriptures, and you can follow along with us. And so we want to invite you to be able to do that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, 
verses 38 through 42. This is a familiar, if you've been around the church or if you've read the Bible much, this is a familiar story to you. If you haven't, if you're new to all of this, uh, then I hope that this, this story will be insightful to you today. Here we go. In verse 38, it says, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. There's that word again. That Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. See, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I want you for a moment this morning to put yourself in Martha's place. How distracted would you be if a group of people showed up to your home? I mean, obviously, in our current circumstance, in our current situation, that should not be happening. But in maybe pre sequestered life, if a group of people showed up to your home, and never mind the fact that in this story, there was this high culture value of Middle Eastern hospitality, and in it a fear of dishonoring guests, especially important ones, and all of a sudden you realize that Jesus is coming to your home. He's in your home. He's the Messiah. He's the most important person in your nation's history, and in fact, human history. Would you be distracted by how your place looked? Would you be distracted by how you would feed this crowd or how many trips must be made to the well, right? Because there's no prepackaged food or running water to help things out, and so in this story, it seems to me that Martha really isn't the strange person. We, I would be running frantically with my wife to clean up the house and to get things ready and to get some food. The reality is, is in this story, the one that seems a little strange is Mary. It's interesting to me that Mary wasn't distracted she had this ability to ignore the insistent to-do list so that she could just listen to Jesus. This obviously irritated Martha. It would irritate me. It would irritate you. There's nothing more frustrating than running around trying to clean stuff up and having people who are just sitting there doing nothing, right? She's working like crazy, and Mary just sat there. Martha considered this probably either laziness, like she's just lazy, or negligence. She just didn't care. She was just going to do what she wanted to do. But either way, she finally appeals to Jesus. She doesn't appeal to, to Mary, which is interesting to me. I wonder if at first she reached out to her sister and said, hey, can you give me a hand? Can you help out? And she just ignored her. I don't know. But in this case, she appeals to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then he tells on her, he's like, tell her then to help me. 
There's an expression in life called wherever you, or that says, wherever you go, there you are. It sounds straightforward enough, except that, what if wherever I go, I'm anywhere but there? Right? You know what I'm talking about? We've all probably been guilty of this. While helping with homework, I'm also trying to check my emails. Or while having a conversation with my spouse, I'm also watching the evening news. Right, that my body may be in one place, but my head, my mind can be in an entirely different place. I'm notorious for this, to be honest with you. I, I, I find myself often already thinking ahead. And so I'll be in a conversation in the present, and I'm not even in the present. I'm thinking about what's going to happen into the future. Some people are better than others at multitasking. I think that I can multitask pretty well. But all the studies point to the fact that if you're trying to do a lot of things, the reality is is you won't do any of them very well. And I'm guessing that in this case, I'm not alone in managing where I am, meaning that I am actually present in the moment. A lot of times I probably could, if I just took a step back and thought about it for a minute, I could probably figure out what is the one thing that is needful. Of course, in Mary and Martha's case, the one needful thing was the very thing that, that the author, Luke, had been calling attention to throughout his gospel. The, the Messiah had come. That Jesus was the Son of God, and He was right there in their midst. There's a scene in an old uh, Dr. Seuss story called uh, uh, The Story is Horton Hears a Who. And in this scene, there are all of these really tiny, small who's that have to get the attention of Horton, the elephant, and his enormous neighbors. And it takes all of their little voices screaming out together to make enough noise to be heard. And as they cry out over and over, they say, we are here, we are here, we are here. Maybe a, a big piece of what Jesus is trying to convey in these stories that we see throughout the Gospels as he makes his way from town to town is simply to say, I am here. I'm here. I'm, I'm standing right in front of you. For those of you who long for a closer walk with God, you who long for a sign that God is with you and He is for you, you who wish that God would make Himself known to you in a real way, He is saying, I am here. And so often in the case of this story especially, people couldn't see it. Even his closest friends like Martha, who clearly loved and adored Jesus and wanted him to feel welcome in her home, she couldn't always see it. Not completely, anyways. Now, we can wish that Jesus had prefaced his remarks in Luke chapter 10 by saying, Martha... You're an amazing cook. Martha, thank you for welcoming me into your home and working so hard to make me this incredible meal, to set a beautiful table. 
And maybe he did thank her. We don't know. Maybe he thanked her and she was just too busy to notice. But either way, what we do know is that Jesus' words in this scripture that are recorded for us seem to convey, Martha, I am here. Emmanuel, God with you, I am here. Could we just enjoy our time together? Could we just allow ourselves to be in the moment, to be where we are? The reality is, is that we don't know how long this new season that we are in will last. We don't know. In the case of Mary and Martha, they did not know that Jesus' impending death would be soon. Jesus is saying to Martha, I am here. Be here with me. That's the opportunity that Mary seized. That's the opportunity that Martha missed. The opportunity to notice Jesus' presence and to rest in it. And I think that that's probably where I'm most convicted by this story. Because while I don't think that Jesus is saying that serving other people is wrong, and I don't think he's saying that sitting still is inherently better, I do think he is saying, not just to Mary and Martha, he's saying to you and to me and to everyone that's watching, he's saying, I am here. I am here. I am here today. What happens is sometimes in our regular life, we are too busy to notice. We are too distracted to see him. Maybe it's possible that what we have today is an opportunity that we normally, in our normal lives, miss. That we have this unique opportunity to take more time to just be in his presence. I wanted to pull just a few things to share with you about uh, a few lessons that we can learn from Mary in this story. And the first thing that I see is that we would be a people in this season that are desperate, desperate to get to Jesus. I wish every one of us would approach our desire to have Jesus as a part of our daily routine as much as we are willing to go to whatever ends to get a roll of toilet paper. That we would be a people that are desperate to get to Jesus. In the case of Mary, she's silenced the noise in her life. And she's listening intently, not to what everything else is happening around her, but she's listening intently to the words of Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that you will seek me and find me when, when you seek me with all of your heart. And maybe a good question for us today is have we been seeking him with all of our heart? Maybe we, we have partially been seeking him and we wonder why we haven't found him. Maybe this is a season and an opportunity for us to seek him with all of our hearts. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to 
commit to spend more time in prayer in our homes, praying over our families, over our children. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I know I've used that scripture the last few weeks. It's so true. If we believe that promise, if we believe that, that our prayers are powerful and effective, then we should be committing this season and this time in prayer. Tim Keller tweeted recently, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. It's interesting that even in the midst of sheltering at home, we have all of this time on our hands and so we're, we're filling our time with things that aren't necessarily the one thing. Todd Mullins says, sometimes when it seems like everything is falling apart, things maybe are actually falling into place. I wonder if there will be new disciplines and new opportunities for us and new time spent in the presence of God in this season that will carry out through the rest of our life. Maybe this is the opportunity for you to press into him. The second thing is this, is that we would be committed to staying in his presence. That we're not just talking about this, this short-term opportunity to be in the presence of God, but that we're actually using this time as an opportunity to create discipline to move forward into the rest of our life, that, that we don't know what tomorrow holds, that regardless of whether the ban is over in a couple of weeks or in three months, could we commit and continue to slowing down long enough and be committed to time in his presence? In Mark chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus is talking to a man who is desperate and his faith is, is dwindling in the midst of his circumstances. And he looks to them, to the group of people, a man included who's just, his daughter's just died. And he says to them, he has the audacity to say, don't be afraid, just believe. I'm wondering if maybe that's words for us today. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't, don't be afraid. Build your faith. And we're going to talk about that in a second. How do we build our faith in the midst of this season? And then we have Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. Now, if you're like me, I struggle with this scripture. I struggle with it not because it does give us hope, for sure, but I'm the kind of person that I'm like, yeah, I know God can turn all things for the good of those who love him, but personally, I'd just rather not go through the things that God's got to turn around for good. Right? I mean, for me, I'm like, I just want good in my life. I just want good things to happen. And yet, here we are. Look around. Look around your room. I can look around this room and see an empty room. You can look around and see that you are sitting at home watching me on a digital device of some sort. You can't go and do the things that you would rather do. 
You can't even do the things that in the past you have felt obligated to do, and instead you are here watching on a screen, hoping for some peace and help in the midst of chaos. The reality is, is that that scripture reminds us that no one can turn this season around for good except for our God. Number three, that we would be ready to receive Jesus in our home. That in the story of Mary and Martha, they were clearly scrambling to get ready for Jesus to be in their home. And I wonder what it would look like if we lived our life in preparation all the time of inviting Jesus into our home. Joshua 24, 15 says, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Not just when we are sequestered or we are sheltering at home, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord from from here on out. Because the truth is, is that the transformation, the transformational work, transformation starts at home. When all of this is is passed over and whatever grief and sorrow that we have to experience, when all of this comes back into some sort of new reality, the truth of the, the matter is, is that when you come to church, it's once a week. When your children come and spend time with our amazing dream team, it's once a week. The reality is is that true transformation, biblical transformation starts right where you're seated this morning. Anything, by the way, that begins to push against that. Because we live in a culture and we live in a world that, that wants to push against that truth. And I would say that anything that stands against the truth of God begins to breed disbelief. And we must kick out disbelief from our homes. We have to instead fill our homes with prayer. We have to fill our homes with worship. We have to fill our homes with the truth of his word. And when we do that, disbelief begins to scatter. Disbelief leaves and our faith is begin, it begins to be strengthened and built up. When we read scriptures like 2 Corinthians 10.5, We demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what we do is, as a a family, as, as followers of Jesus, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's been said that when we when you feed your faith, your disbelief will starve to death. What is it that we're doing in this season with all of the time on our hands to feed our faith? And then number four, that we would allow Jesus to speak life over our homes. Joyce Meyer is famous for saying, change your words, change your life. I use Proverbs 18.21 that says, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. I was sharing what I was going to be speaking on with the staff this last week, and, and Pastor Lucy shared a story that kind of illustrated this right here, that our words can speak life or death. She was telling us how 
when she greets the boy when she greets the boys in the morning to wake them up she opens up the door and she says to the boys she said these young boys she says good morning men of god and the response as young boys typically are is always something where they're laughing about it and and they're like we're not men yet and she looks them right in the eyes and she says to them but you will be what is it that you're speaking over your children? What is it that you're speaking in your home? What words are you speaking to your spouse? Are they words of life? Are they words of death? Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The longer this season goes on, the easier it will be for us to, to cut and to tear down with our words. And could I just encourage you this morning to pray this scripture, that God would guard our mouths, that he would keep watch over the door of our lips, and that we would be a people who speak words of life. As I was looking for some recommendations of books to use, I came across this book on Amazon. It says, this is the actual title of the book, How to Traumatize Your Children, Seven Proven Methods to Help You Screw Up with Your Kids Deliberately and with Skill. That is the title of the book. It's all on the front of the book. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like somebody actually wrote a book titled How to Traumatize Your Children, how to, how to like seven proven methods to just mess up your kids. And we kind of, you know, I'm sure it was intended to get some sort of laugh, but the truth is, is that even the world knows that words will either speak life or death, that we can do an enormous amount of damage with our words. Contrast that with what Mother Teresa says. She says, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. There's something powerful in our words and in the truth and the promises of God that are spoken over our spouse, spoken over our children, spoken over our homes. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. I don't know if you'll do it, because honestly, I'm here, you're there, I can't see you. I don't know what's going on at home. You can email me. You can text me. You can message me and say, hey, we did this today. I, I don't know. I don't know if you'll do it. But then as I was thinking about it, I was like, my job is, it's not really my problem because my job is to challenge and to equip and encourage you to, uh, to, to do the things of the Lord. And so I'm kind of, in some ways, stepping out on a ledge uh, in anticipation that you will follow through with the thing that I'm asking you to do. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor PJ Moon talked about getting out on the ledge. So I'm asking, will you get out on the ledge with me right now to step out of your comfort zone if you find this uncomfortable? Some of you may say, this is not a big deal at all. But there may be others who are like, I've never done anything like this before. In just a moment, we're going to hear a song that Kelly and Brian are going to sing over you, over your home, over your family. And I'm asking you to step out on the ledge and not just sit and listen to the song. 
but to actually get up from your couch or your chair or your dining room table or your kitchen or your bed, whatever the case, that you would get up and you would go and engage into this blessing. That if you have children in the home, that you would go, you would lay hands on them and you would pray for them. Some of you have maybe never prayed over your children in this way. And if you don't know what to pray, I could just tell you, pray the words of the song. Listen to the words of the song because it's scripture. It's straight out of Numbers chapter 6. And, and if, it's, if that's you, just begin to repeat the words from the song over your children. But, but put your hand on your children and, and pray for them. Pray this blessing. If it's you and your spouse, then, then take hands with your spouse and pray over one another. Speak words of life over one another. If you have children who aren't in the home, if, if maybe they've moved out but you've got pictures around, would you go, get up and, and lay hands on the picture and pray over your children by name wherever they may be? And finally, if you're at home and you're alone and you have no one to pray over and no one to pray over you, so what I'm asking you to do, I'm asking you to get out on the ledge and would you call the number on this screen? And would you let our elders, would you let our prayer team pray for you? We need people to be praying words of life and blessing over us. We have people, couples, who are standing by who will answer that number. And if it continues to ring, don't give up. Let it continue to ring and roll over until someone's available to pray for you. But don't miss the moment of blessing. Receive it today. Pray over your doorposts of your home. And listen, if you get done before the song is over, it's about a seven-minute song. If you get done before it's over, will you come back and will you just sit and receive the blessing that God wants to give your home and your family today. This song is becoming super popular. Some of you may be familiar with it, uh, but it's Scripture. It's Scripture. And so right now, every one of us, everyone watching, even if you're watching this recorded and not live, would you do this in your home? Would you receive this blessing right now?
upon you into a thousand generations in your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. May his favor be upon you into a thousand generations in your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. May his favor be upon you. Children, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. In your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you.
Well, God, we, we thank you for that, for those who may be even continuing on in the midst of praying over their families, praying over their homes. God, we just come into agreement with them, come into agreement as you are moving and working as we are committed to spend time in your presence today. God, I ask that you would bless each and every home that is here, that is watching in Jesus' name. Psalm 89.15 says this. It says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you and that those who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. That those who are walking in the light of his presence will be blessed. If I were to ask the question, how many of you this morning want to be a blessed people? I would remind you of this passage of Scripture, then walk in the light of His presence. That's our mission, to bring our relationships, our marriage, to bring our family, our homes into the light of the presence of God. And that light will bring life and it will transform us. And we will find the thing that we are looking for. We will find that peace. We will find that blessing and that hope in the midst of that light. If you find yourself in this season worried and distracted from all of the voices and all of the things that are being said out there, Jesus would say to you, this morning there is need of only one thing to be doing right now choose the better part Jesus would say to you I am here be in my presence remain in my presence and don't miss the opportunity for the blessing of your home we are so grateful and so thankful that we have a God who cares about us and is present even today. Let's pray. Well, Father, we, we commit this time to you. And for anyone watching who doesn't have a relationship with you today, God, would you present yourself in a real and tangible way? And God, would you inspire them to reach out to someone that they may know who is a Christ follower, that they would reach out to us as a, as a church, as a staff, as a, a prayer team. And God, could we be a people who are continually praying for those who are far from you? But Lord, for all of us who have a relationship with you, let us not miss the opportunity to be in your presence. Let us not miss the opportunity that we now have in our homes to spend time with you, to spend time praying blessings of life over our children, over our spouses, over our homes. God, let us not miss out on the opportunity to see you do great things and establish a lifelong presence of your Holy Spirit in our homes today. Let us be the Marys who have set aside all of the distractions and all of the negative voices that we're hearing and let us just dwell in your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen.